Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Art Topic Podcast, a weekly show where we talk about all things weird, wild, and wonderful. I'm your host this week, Luke Hawkins, joined by my co-host, Brett Beckerman. What's up? Now, we've got an interesting one for you this week. This topic is maybe on the more morbid side of things, but I wanted to talk a bit about death. More specifically, what happens after we die. Now, I'm not talking about the physical things that happen to our bodies, but more so the metaphysical. The principles of being, our place in space-time, what happens to our souls, or if we even have souls at all, all the hippie stuff, you know? (laughs) So, yes, that's quite a mouthful, and I won't claim to have a very firm grasp on all things philosophical, as I myself rely more on the logical and physical world around me to shape my existence, but I thought this would make for an interesting conversation nonetheless. Definitely. Before anybody raises their torches and pitchforks at me, I want to give a bit of a disclaimer. It's hard to talk about this sort of thing without mentioning religion, but in no way, shape or form are Britain are going to be giving our opinions on whether any religion has it right or wrong, nor intentionally cast a negative view on a person or group's beliefs. This is all just research on our own personal feelings about ourselves and our place in the universe. Everybody is obviously free to have their own belief system, and we respect all of it. That being said, let's continue. I'm going to start off with a bit of a hard-hitting question, Brett. Maybe I'm putting you in the spot a little bit, but do you believe we have a soul? Or, hang on, maybe I should start with a loose definition of a soul so that we're on the same page. By soul, I mean the part inside of us that is sort of the essence of our being. Our consciousness that separates us from being merely a bag of bones and meat capable of independent thought. The part of us that actually holds feelings, memories, character, and that sort of thing. Now, we all know these things are indeed present in all of us, but to have a soul is to believe it's more than just electrical impulses stimulating various parts of our brains to react in a certain way, and more like a consciousness separate from our bodies. This is really hard to define, uh, but I suppose it's by its nature, it's not meant to be so easily definable. No, not at all. I mean, the soul is a very abstract kind of idea. Yeah, it, it's yeah, it's exactly that. It's abstract. Yeah. How do you define something that you don't <laughs> even know is, exists? And yeah doesn't have a physical shape or form. It's, it's in the feeling, man. It's in the feeling. Exactly, dude. This is a major hippie episode. <laughs> yeah, it really is. We're all wearing Tata shirts here in the studio. Don't tell them, Luke. <laughs> so again, Brett, do you believe we have a soul? Well, I'm a musician, so by heart, I think I have to. I guess you kind of have to. I kind of yeah. have to, because, you know, that that's where that's from. Although I feel if you play the blues, then you got the real soul, you know? Yeah, if you got a little bit of jazz and some blues in you. Man, I love the blues. The blues is good. So I, myself, have absolutely no clue. As with lots of things, my personal feelings are kind of fluid. I may feel one way over a period of time and then things may change and I feel another. It's actually a bit of a silly story, but the death of my first dog brought me so much sadness that it really changed my stance a bit on life after death. Now, I'm not very religious at all. I wouldn't say I'm particularly atheist or anything, but I just, I guess agnostic is the right term. Yeah. I believe there could be something out there, but we really don't know and we'll never will know. But after losing a loved one, be it family, friend or pet, I suppose, one tries very hard to formulate these coping mechanisms, one of which is to believe that their life is carrying on somewhere, whether it's in heaven or paradise or nirvana or whatever it may be. It's very comforting to believe that somewhere out there, the life of our lost loved one is carrying on, even though physically they're no longer with us. Yeah. This goes back a bit to the separation of body and soul, because the soul would have left Earth to carry on its journey, and the body is... Remains behind. Exactly. Given back to the Earth, as they say. Anyway, a bit hippie, I'm sorry, guys. (laughs) 
So on the topic of souls and life after death, there are some religions like Hinduism and Buddhism that believe that the soul may not ascend into the heavens, or at least not at first, but rather come back to earth. This idea works on the principles of causality, i.e. cause and effect, or karma in a nutshell. An individual's actions in this life will affect their standing in the next life. In Hinduism, this process continues, birth and rebirth, the movement of your soul again and again until one finally achieves what is known as moksha, or the liberation from this process, and ascension into a state of enlightenment. Okay. I.e., it's a continual state, I'm going to get born again, die, get born again, die, get born again. And obviously, what you come back as is a reflection of how you were in your past life. Yes. So you want to keep being as good as you can be, and eventually reach a state where you can go no higher, you're reaching ascension and enlightenment. Yeah. So regardless of how any of us feel on this topic, there have been a few interesting cases of human beings completely remembering their past lives, which I've always found incredibly interesting. I'll go over one of the more unique ones. So around 2010 in Oklahoma in the US, a boy named Ryan Hammonds was born. Around the age of four years old, when he began speaking in full sentences, he started to recount some peculiar memories and details of things that came as a surprise to his parents. The memories of the things that Ryan was talking about were very specific. He said things like how he was from Hollywood and pleaded his mother to take him there to see his other family. He had said that he had a big house with a swimming pool, owned a green car, and lived in a street that had the word rocks in it. He said he'd love going to the beach with all of his girlfriends. He would always like to wear sunglasses and that he used to get sunburnt a lot. He made some more specific claims, like how he didn't like the politician by the name of Franklin Roosevelt. Oh, wow. Okay. Which is a really weird yeah. specific thing to, to not like, especially since the guy's definitely dead by now. Yeah. And you're a kid. Yeah. <laughs> you're a four, keep yeah. in mind. And he said he'd been to Europe and he went to see the Eiffel Tower in Paris. Pretty crazy stuff. But at this point, I suppose it could all kind of be made up nonsense of a young kid. Maybe he saw some stuff on TV. Yeah, I mean, the ramblings of a four-year-old can never really be yeah. truly tested I mean, or believed. I know some four-year-olds and they say some dumb stuff. Yeah. Well, the parents decided to pursue this a bit. And the mother began borrowing books from the local library in Hollywood to see if any pictures made Ryan remember who he was. At first, this didn't really help much, although he was able to identify Marilyn Monroe and Rita Hayworth as actresses he recognized. Keep in mind, he was four again, so he shouldn't know them at all. No. Eventually, in one of the books his mother brought home, he pointed to an image of a man in the background of a promo shot for the movie Night After Night, released in 1932, and identified that man as being him. What? Yeah, he was like, that's me, dude. Okay. <laughs> However, this man was nothing more than an extra in the background of the promo shot. There was no detail found of him in the book nor in the movie credits. Also, the parents kind of started to not take this so seriously anymore, as during those times, it was highly unlikely that any extra would live in a big house on a street and have a fancy car. Yeah, fair enough. So it all kind of started to seem like a bit of nonsense. His parents did, though, continue to investigate behind the scenes anyway over the next couple of years and eventually got into contact with some people that helped him to identify the person in that picture. It was eventually found out that this man went by the name of Marty Martin. And wouldn't you know it, as it turns out, this Marty Martin was just an extra at first, but eventually went on to be a successful talent agent in Hollywood. With a name like Marty Martin, I don't blame him. Yeah. It's a pretty groovy name. <laughs> <Yeah>. Marty. <laughs> he had a big house with a pool, drove a green car, 
went to Paris to see the Eiffel Tower, had many girlfriends, loved the beach, was often sunburned, and notably hated Franklin Roosevelt. Wow. In fact, the list goes on. There are a lot of things I didn't mention that Ryan got right in his sort of predictions, like how many children he had, how many wives he had had, what his mother looked like, and all sorts. Thanks to all this, many people believe this to be a case of reincarnation. This boy may have been born with the soul of Marty Martin, and the details of this man were so obscure and not really in the limelight that it would be very difficult to have this many coincidences. Yeah. So I'm not too sure what to make of this personally. It definitely has me a bit awestruck, and if everything of the numerous reports are to be believed, then, you know, this is phenomenal. Yeah. We had an episode recently on coincidences, and this is one of those ones where there's just too many in a row. <laughs> but also, it's one of those stories where, okay, you've got the kid's point of view, and he's a four-year-old, so yeah. okay, take him with a grain of salt. You now have his parents who are either A, trying to make sense of this, or B, trying to make something out of it that doesn't actually belong there. And he could have pointed yeah. at the picture of the extra and then be like, that's me. And like the parents could be like, this is a money-making scheme. We can do this. Go make up a whole bunch of stuff. Go to the press. Like my kid was reincarnated. It's actually Marty Martin. I mean, who's, whose name is Marty Martin? That is a made up name. <laughs> yeah. That, that doesn't see. And who knows that he went to Paris to the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> I mean, at that point in time, a lot of people have probably been to Paris to the Eiffel Tower. The one that got me was the, the Roosevelt thing. Yeah, <laughs> and doesn't like Roosevelt. But okay, I haven't, to be honest with you, done the story that much justice. Okay, it's actually better than I'm trying to say, which is which is rare. Wow. Usually, I like to overplay things. <laughs> I'm really underplaying this. There are a lot of coincidences. He started off by saying he had three kids. Okay. And um, he started off by saying that he had X amount of wives, like a lot of unique, numerical, almost quantifiable things that he had said, and like. Like I said, he lived in a street with the word rocks in it. He lived in a street called Roxbury Street. Yeah. And I suppose that's one of many things. But there's lots. The, the list went on. People had surmised that before they knew the name of the person that he was, they thought that he was somebody else based on information. Yeah. And they took him to this location or where this guy used to live. And this kid was just not reacting to anything. He was just like, and I don't mean weird spooky reacting. I just mean he was like bored and not paying attention, you know? Yeah, yeah. But when they tried this Marty Martin guy, they're like, oh, this is actually him. He had this crazy reaction. He went to the street and he just remembered everything he was looking at. Dang. Like he knew where things were, all kinds of weird things. I know we say this a lot, but do a little bit of Googling because there's a lot in the story. And there's been experts who have tried to debunk this in all sorts. And it kind of seems like no one's been able to. It's quite a it's quite a crazy situation. Because like you said earlier, I mean, there's so many parts of this that make it just one massive coincidence. But you actually, you, you kind of have to rule that out because for a four-year-old kid to to mention things that a four-year-old kid shouldn't know. Mm. A four-year-old kid shouldn't know about Roosevelt at that time. No, they shouldn't not. know who Marilyn Monroe is. They shouldn't have this this idea of going to Paris to visit the Eiffel Tower. Exactly. Um, it's 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 not a thing. It, 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 it's just too far out yeah. there. So, I mean, if, if there is legitimate, um, fact about this yeah. it's, it's such a crazy story it's difficult because this isn't the kind of story you can prove with no, exactly. evidence you can't the, like there is one or two things if you read the stories that kind of don't play in its favor Yeah. where on the one time he was presented a whole bunch of pictures and he was asked who he was or who he remembered and he was basically throwing a tantrum he's in a bad mood and just pointed a whole bunch of stuff uh, okay. is what they said 
And then, then when they brought him back and he calmed down, he pointed to the right stuff. Okay. But then that is, is it right because they kind of made it the right yeah. ones? Either? It's difficult to say. Tell but. them. Tell me your name is Marty. Tell them. Yeah. Tell me you're the like, Paris Alpha Tower. Is it Marty? M- M- Marty? <laughs> anyway, but um, let's say it's true for the sake of this argument. Then this could be definable proof that we have a soul. Yeah. And that's how else could you thing. transfer memories from one being to another being yeah it, it's it's actually it baffles my brain a little bit but it's very cool i love it it's, yeah it's one it's one of those different stories that under normal circumstances you weren't actually here yeah and you kind of wish that there was more way to prove it yeah just definitely. to like actually have this thing so i often think about sometimes i've got really odd memories of things i don't actually remember doing yeah but i've got a memory for it um i don't i don't know if it's your short-term and your long-term memories playing against each other where one remembers something from so long ago that it's so far in the back of your mind that it's like a, not even a memory. It's yeah. like a brief imprint of an image. Yeah. And you're like, would well, that never happened? Why am I thinking of <laughs> yeah. that? And, you know, maybe that is some kind of past life thing. I don't know. I'm not really sure how much I buy into this kind mm. of stuff, but it's interesting nonetheless. Because I have heard that... People generally don't remember their their ages three, four, five. Like you, you don't generally yeah. remember those ages. I mean, you might remember playing at school when you when you're five, six years old. But before that, most of your memories are are, are from the the stories or the photos or the videos, and your brain has made up that remainder of information. Yeah, it fills in the blanks. So it fills in the blanks. So you remember, I was there with this, 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 and this. I had this shirt on. I was sitting in this little toy car, and so and so was there. And they're like, well, no, not really. Like, I'm pretty sure that was just over there. Be like, no, but and you look at the photo, and it's actually a little bit different, and it kind of messes your brain a bit. You're not physically like your brain yeah. is not physically there. Your brain is remembering a memory that is built up from pictures, yeah, and it's trying to like build up its own little catalog. That's very true. A lot of the memories I have from when I was like a young kid going, we used to travel a lot with my family, and all the memories that I have. I don't think they're memories because it's yeah. it's a picture or a video that was taken. Yes. And of me, obviously you can see me washing my feet after being yeah. on the beach or something. Your, your memory is actually in third person. Yeah, yeah. But then my brain though will recount the memory yes. and I'll make it first person. Yeah. But it'll be that scene that's in the video. So I'm like, now I don't know. Yes. Am it, I remembering this because I'm seeing our first person or am I just inflicting a first person viewpoint on what I'm seeing? Yeah. And and like, why can't you imagine anything out of that point? Yeah. 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 Which, I mean, makes photographs a fantastic thing. It does. Because yeah. if you can get your brain to trick yourself into believing situations, scenarios, <laughs> or when you were a kid, that's great. Yeah. But also, they do say that those longer memories have a tendency to kind of warp themselves a little bit. Where yeah. you'll remember, no, I picked that thing up. And I'm like, no, I picked up and then gave it to you. Like, all I know is in the photo, I had it. Yeah. But did I get it? Did I pick it up? Did you pick it up? Like, <laughs> So, your, your brain has a tendency. And, and that's why they say... Um, especially with with uh, like interrogations and stuff like that. If the thing is too far back, you almost can't guarantee that if if you're interrogating a murderer about mm. a, something that happened or a, a robber that's happened twenty years ago, it's not that reliable. memory you you can't actually do that. That's like why most of the time you'll write down a statement and then just before you were going to go in, you have to almost read the statement. And you're like, that's what I said. Yeah. Okay. Because your, your memory does some weird things. Well, I mean, that's me after like a year. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> Anyway, Brett, what's your take on this whole souls out there in the universe situation? 
So I want to touch on something that you mentioned in your intro, as well as elaborate a little bit on the kind of the backing of reincarnation and that whole belief. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not going to go deep into religion yet, but just to go through that mindset of of reincarnation and all of that. And I mean, for instance, something we're all familiar with, but I'm not sure to what extent is Nirvana. Mm. So founded in 1987, fronted by Kurt Cobain. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. But sifting through the internet to find the true meaning of Nirvana takes you to every Kurt Cobain site you can imagine. (laughs) So for those of you who don't know the true meaning of Nirvana, uh, it's Sanskrit for becoming extinguished or blowing out. Most commonly associated with Buddhism, it's meant to represent the act of extinguishing any desire, hatred and ignorance of suffering and rebirth. Now, in Western culture, Nirvana is seen as more of this blissful state of mind that appears heavenly and grand. And this obviously isn't quite the case when you look at it from the Buddhist point of view. Now, obviously, Luke, you've just been through reincarnation and what we see as Western society in terms of uh, reincarnation and, and that whole belief. So Buddhism saw life as more of a series of sufferings, such as birth, aging, sickness and death. These are all experienced over many lifetimes in kind of a rebirth cycle known as the samsara, which means wandering. So this reincarnating is the samsara. Now, the wandering wasn't to reach nirvana per se. The samsara was seeking a state beyond suffering and all negative actions and emotions uh, must basically be destroyed. So eradicating the causes of suffering would in turn cease the suffering. This is where Nirvana comes in. Nirvana isn't a place. Nirvana is a state. Mm -hmm. And the ceasing of all suffering was that exact state. I feel very much hippie right now. Yeah. So in the Buddhist tradition, Nirvana was seen as almost like a final goal. One would need to extinguish three fires. These are greed, aversion, and ignorance to reach a state of peace, basically. When these fires are all finally extinguished, the cycle of rebirth or samsara is stopped. So this is something I didn't really know. I always assumed that the belief of reincarnation was this almost ongoing process of birth, death, birth, death, and so on. This is very interesting because it's actually very similar to this Hinduism one I just spoke about. It is. And there is also another Buddhist version that is also a little bit different. Okay. It's actually very, very interesting. Because moksha and nirvana sound very much the same. It's the state of enlightenment. So Hinduism, Buddhism are very similar. This isn't to say that they're the same. Obviously, I don't really know anything about the two. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, I never knew that throughout their lives and, well, other lives, uh, they were all trying to achieve the state of complete peace and happiness. Kind of explains why Buddhists are so chilled and so at one with everything. Yeah, man. It's a very kind of, I don't know, cool state of being. What was that joke about the Dalai Lama? What? He ordered a pizza and he said he wanted one with everything. Oh. Why did I know that there was going to be some sort of <laughs> Dalai Lama joke coming out? Yeah. <laughs> so, some cool facts about Buddhism um, and things that I didn't know. There are apparently two different types. One is called Mayayana and the other is called Theravada. The one I explained above is known as Theravada. And they believe in the search of enlightenment. Luke, what you mentioned earlier. And when you reach that point, you stop your cycle. And that's that. Mayayana is slightly different. So for starters, they are more similar to what I thought Buddhism was. They don't believe in the kind of original teachings which mention Nirvana. 
they believe that Buddha transcended and spoke to their version of angels, which is known as the, the Devas. And he taught the Devas all of his wisdom. They then made their way down to earth and they taught the monks what Buddha had taught them. The monks then carried the teachings on through the Mayahana religion. Okay, I've simplified it quite a bit, but you get the idea. Now, one of the big differences is what they believe happens once you die. They both agree that the soul is reincarnated, but the Mahayana don't believe that Nirvana is the end. They don't agree that there is a level of enlightenment that halts everything. They say that once you reach the level of enlightenment and all of your old suffering has been dealt with, you become what they call a bodhisattva. Now, you still reincarnate over and over again, but once you've reached that level of enlightenment, you are now tasked with helping others reach the same level. So Buddhism is a lot more elaborate than what I've spoken about and what you mentioned yeah. earlier. I'm not going to get into... You're not about to learn the whole history no, 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 and no, philosophical behind it. Half an hour so podcast. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's so many things between the Tushita heavens and the Dharma, but that's for another topic. But at the core, Buddhism is still something that a lot of us could really learn from. And I don't mean in a religious way. I mean, at the heart of every kind of monk or Buddhist teacher, there's... A thought of knowing your surroundings and treating everything as if it could directly affect you at any time. Yeah. I like that. It, it kind of gives a, you this. It's, it's beautiful. It yeah. Really it, it gives you this, this rounded approach to just exist and don't destroy. But death is such a crazy thing. Uh, we all know loved ones that have kind of been lost. And for some, it's a constant thought. And others, it's just a thing of life. The only thing we know for sure is what it does to the friends and family that are left. And you kind of hope that no matter what happens, the state of what you've left behind leaves everyone with some way to smile or be happy, even if it is a sad subject. But speaking of leaving behind, I've always found something quite humorous in those stories where a millionaire will set aside a large portion of wealth. I mean, we've spoken about Forrest Fenn and his treasure and all that yeah. on his deathbed. Um, but there's also those who'd rather leave a lot of like riddles and things behind for their inheritance for yeah. the kids and all that kind of stuff. Uh, if I become super wealthy, you bet your ass I'm going to leave behind some clues. <laughs> Sorry, kids. kids. You, <laughs> your kids are going to be like, Dad, I'm broke. I don't want to do this, man. <laughs> but come on. Just go into the Rocky Mountains and find it. Two steps to the north when the sun sets over the fire. Why couldn't you just open a trust fund like a normal dad? <laughs> oh, yeah, man. I don't know, man. I mean, there's obviously a lot more on souls and being a soulful person, you know, what is good for the soul, what's bad for the soul, what is chicken soup for the soul. <laughs> but ultimately, it's up to you and if you even believe in a soul. This was a difficult sort of topic, I suppose, and a hard one to kind of explain because I, myself, and Brett also are very scientific people more so. We work with logic. I mean, I used to always make fun of my mother whenever she got all hippie. Not that she was a hippie at all, but whenever <laughs> she started speaking about you know, being a, a good person is good for your soul and this and that. I was like, mom, stop it, man. <laughs> and I've, it's never really been on my radar to worry about anything like this. And again, not being the most religious person in the world, I just try to abide by simple rules that treat everyone fairly and yeah, nicely. Be a nice person. At the end of the day, be a nice person. Exactly. So that's souls, guys. I don't know what else there really is to say about it. It's sort of up to you on what you want to believe and how you feel about it. I do find it hard to kind of conceptualize not having a soul. 
Because how do you just exist without existing? Yes. How, are we really just signals between different parts of our brains telling us how to feel? And this is where the podcast gets deep. Buckle in, everyone. We're <laughs> at it again. Three-hour special. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, though, like, even happiness is just a chemical reaction. It's serotonin in your brain. Yeah. Uh, love is some other chemical reaction. So you look at someone that you really love and, you know... Maybe it happens less as you get older, maybe, once you've been with someone for a very long time. But looking at your partner, whatever it is, and you feel that rush of emotion, you're like, wow, I really love you. That can't just be chemicals. No. It's weird to explain, but like, yeah. are we really just animals and that's instinct to tell us that we need to procreate and have children? And then you look at your children and you say, wow, I, I will give my life for this thing. Is that just because of your instinct to carry on your family line or your your bloodline, whatever but it is. I think instinct is a big thing of... For that, sure. Yeah. But it's... I don't know. I think with with humanity, there's a bit more there. Yeah. This is very hippie. And <laughs> I, I'm in a, a field that I don't really know much about, if you can't tell. But we're trying, guys. I'm trying. <laughs> I don't know. What are your thoughts and your feelings? And specifically, if you have a lot to say about these religious topics we mentioned that we obviously don't know too much about, please let us know. I'm actually really interested in... Yeah. Maybe what we see on the internet is that really what's in practice at the moment. If you know anything or you want to voice your opinion, even if you want to say whether you believe we have souls or not, please get in touch with us. It'll yeah. be great to hear from you. You can obviously get in touch with us at all the various places. Brett, take it away. <laughs> you can email us at community at ottoikpodcast.com. You can also follow us on all of our social media, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, at Podcast. We have a website as well, ottoikpodcast.com. We've got some cool things up there. Hasn't been updated in a while, but Sorry. we'll get on that. But until next time, guys, stay fresh. Stay freaky. Bye. Bye.